Hey, hey, uh, welcome to the show. We've got a great ep today, a two-parter with Lunar and American. Real tanky defense squad hours, don't you worry. But before we get started, I just want to make a little appeal. It'll just take a sec. And we've never done this before, so that's how you know it's important. And so I'm here standing Mutual Aid Myanmar, which is the general strike fund for Myanmar, Burma. And to be clear, this is not about Aung San Suu Kyi or the National League for Democracy. This is about supporting our comrades in the fight against a reactionary and murderous dictatorship. And they are comrades. These protests have been led by trade unionists, leftists and oppressed ethnic minority people. And their strongest hand is a withdrawal of their labor and civil disobedience. And that's why we're supporting the strike fund, which provides material aid for workers joining the strike. So that means food, healthcare, and shelter. So I'll put the link in the description. If you want to learn more about the movement for democracy in Burma from a leftist perspective, we recently published an article on Dindeng from a labor organizer in Burma who's heavily involved in the movement. So I'll drop that in the description as well. And yeah, thanks a lot. Okay, to the show. America, America, so sad, so ไลเซนคนตายลูกปืนคำรามลูกควายไม่ลามลูกป้อมทำลายลูกเล็กเด็กแดงตายแห่งแง่แก่ทั้งพ่อทั้งแม่ทั้งแตกสลายไฮ and welcome to the podcast we are joined today by two very special guests uh, the great Luna Oi from YouTube and the great American Johnson, also from YouTube. And uh, we're talking Vietnam today mostly. And I just want to start out by suggesting people watch Luna and American's uh, videos. Can, can you guys just say your channels quickly? Hi everybody, I'm Luna. I'm a Vietnamese woman living in Vietnam and I have a YouTube channel named Luna Oi. And I mostly make videos about like traveling in Vietnam or teach you how to cook Vietnamese food or talk about history or culture in Vietnam. And also, I also uh, have political videos where I talk about what's actually going on in Vietnam or about socialism in Vietnam or stuff like that. So welcome and please check out my channel. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm uh, American Johnson. I run non-compete with Luna, and I also help Luna with her videos. But yeah, we do a lot of stuff ranging from video essays and live streams. We also do uh, revolutionary anarcho-communist puppet shows, so those are fun. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, Luna's been with us, you know, with me pretty much from the beginning of the channel. Um, she worked behind the scenes at first, but now she's been my stream partner for a few years now. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, we've been living in Vietnam all through the pandemic. Yep. I I've, been in, I've been in Vietnam for about eight years now. Um, and the more I learn about it, the more I realize just how much, you know, hegemonic brainwashing I've received <laughs> about about this country throughout my life. So, yeah. but yeah. And by the way, I'm a Marxist Leninist. Uh, you can call me like an official chained Marxist Leninist because I actually learned about Marxism Leninism in schools from six years old until like I graduated from university. I'm very proud. <laughs> Ho, Chi, Ho Chi Minh thought school, yeah. And I yeah. consider myself <laughs> an anarchist. Uh, but somehow, like, Luna hasn't stabbed me in my sleep yet, so. Yep, not yet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> left unity left moment. Unity left unity ticket. moment. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, so I just wanted to kind of start out by talking a bit about Vietnam. So, of course, I've watched uh, all of Luna's videos on Vietnam. And I just kind of have some follow-up questions about the Is Vietnam a Socialist Country uh, video. So in terms of, like, policy, how exactly does Vietnam differ from other countries which have large welfare states? So like, for example, like the Scandinavian countries other than mm. GDP. And, mm. you know, I know the Scandinavian countries are, of course, benefiting from the exploited labor of the global south, which maybe Vietnam is not. So but just mm. in terms of, you know, the policies, how, how do they differ? Vietnam, we have a really like unique uh, position right now because uh, we um, we want we want our country to be socialist, to follow like communism, but we also have to survive in this capitalist hellhole, you know? So Vietnam, we had to like, as 
just as I uh, explained a lot in my video about East Vietnam Socialist, Socialism in Vietnam means it's a transitional period of moving a society from capitalism into communism. So it's not an end goal, it's like a, a, a path that we choose. And in that path, that's, it's gonna have like socialism and capitalism like coexist together in one, in just the same town like now. So and like there are a lot of stuff that you might think that is very controversial in Vietnam right now because like we have capitalists here and we have like private companies and stuff like that and we have billionaires but also we have a, a lot of other socialist programs such as uh, we have you know the uh, like rice um, uh, rice rice stabilization program also medicine and all kind of vegetable and food like that so make sure that price always cheap. So everybody can afford it. That's a very like socialist kind of program. Also, we have an anti-imperialist program, such as like if a like company like Coca-Cola, big corporation, you know, international corporation. If they want to have a company in Vietnam, they have to have a Vietnamese partner who owned fifty percent of the factory here. That's great, but uh, Thailand, which uh, is definitely not socialist, also has that exact same policy. So oh, <laughs> I just want to yeah. throw that out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. It's kind of a nationalist thing in Thailand, maybe. I don't. Yeah, know. I mean, it's like to protect like the domestic business and yeah. also want to like to like weaken the power of the international corporations. And then it's like it depends a lot on how we actually use that kind of policy. It's very important, yeah, too. So, yeah, it's, again, uh, talking about Vietnam is very complicated and you need a lot of, like, knowledge about history, about politics and all kind of stuff like economy to talk about this, to, like, really understand it. I actually, I don't, I had to, like, well, spend years in schools and university to understand what the fuck is going on in Vietnam right now. Mm. So but I mean, how, 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 I mean, like you've said, it kind of sounds like there's a, a strong welfare state and protections in place for the poor. But, you know, like I asked at the beginning, how, how does, how is that different from a kind of social democrat country? Um, what to say, uh, um, it's like, we don't embrace capitalism and we don't exploit we don't uh, we we don't we do not export exploitation to other poor countries just like other like Scandinavian countries actually like they have like those like European countries they, they they look like they have so wealthy they like kind of socialist uh, bourgeois democracy but actually what they did is to ex like to export the exploitation to export the poverty to other poor countries especially the global south country Vietnam we're not doing that we don't we we try to like you know like have our own zuche style like we 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 have our own people without exploiting other people that's why vietnam is now still a developing country because like we try to do it in like as ethical as possible without like exporting poverty to other nation and it, it works actually really well even though it's a kind of slower than a lot of other capitalist countries like uh so such as like at least in now in the pandemic you can see that vietnam controls the pandemic very well just because we care about humans life and people's life and then we care about our own people and then we seriously like quarantine and then deal with the virus and now we kind of control the third wave already and everything's back to normal so it's a different it's that's the most main different of the way that vietnam choose vietnam choose like the harder path and just it's very difficult and then we we still like working on it without like violating the working class without exploit the working class from other countries oh, I, I was just gonna think that you know i think if you look at like scandinavian countries and you take away their reliance on other uh, on countries in the global south their economies collapse um would you say that like you know vietnam basically is trying to sustain itself in a, in a in a sort of increasing its productive forces kind of way. Yeah, you're you're right. Yes. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's a it's one of those paper tiger moments, if you will. Yeah. yeah. I would say yeah, and I, I mean my experience as a foreigner is like you know when I just I'm, I mean I don't, I've never been even to Scandinavia, but comparing it to like the USA, I know 
like uh, in, in Vietnam, everything, everybody seems much more kind of self-sufficient in a domestic way. Um, you know, like you could buy a motorcycle. You know, when I get my motorcycle fixed, the motorcycle parts are made in Vietnam. The food is grown here in Vietnam. They grow w way more than enough food to feed everybody here. Um, and that's with like domestic Vietnamese labor. They're not bringing in immigrants and exploiting them the way we do in the USA. Mm. Well, we're um, not building like factories in other countries to like yeah. exploit them till we build here in Vietnam. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. And the other, big, the other big difference I see, you know, from like as an outsider's perspective is the a lot of the social the really soft social policies but i think there's a lot of um there's a lot to be said for the kinds of soft social policies things like education uh a lot of the public uh information campaigns they have that sort of thing they are trying i believe from what i see in their education system and in the communication they have with the people um, they are kind of trying to promote socialist values and create socialist people. You might want to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Ho Chi Minh's yeah, I want to talk about that too. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, one of the most famous quotes of Ho Chi Minh is, in order to build a socialist society, we have to have socialist people with socialist knowledge, ideology, manners, and socialist values too. So that's why, like, since the 50s, when we still like we were still fighting French and the USA, we focus very much on building our education that teach uh, students our students about socialism, communism, and Marxism and Ho Chi Minh talk. And until now, we still like we have strong focus on building socialist people, even though we haven't had a real socialist society yet. And that's I think that's the one of the most uh, different from other countries, especially in the West, like. We actually teach the idol ideology in schools. Teach about Marxism, Leninism, and Ho Chi Minh thought and how to be socialist. And uh, a lot of people like attack me for like because they they they, they thought that I think that like, they thought that like, I said in Vietnam they taught people like indoctrination or some propaganda or something like that. But it's actually it's not. Mm. It's very simple stuff. Basically, like when Ho Chi Minh says socialist people with socialist values and socialist manner, it just it just meant like. Uh, to have like children who understand about the right of the working the, the working class, to build class a class consciousness and to teach ch uh, children understand what is actually uh, what is Marxism and what is Leninism and Ho Chi Minh taught. So like we can all be like nice people, good people, you know. And then uh, also we teach about dialectical materialism, dialectical thinking. So to teach our children to question, like we are not like mindless drone or something we actually have a really good base the the basic of dialectical materialism so yeah i think that's very important to like that's kind of the best weapon right now for us to fight against indoctrination and propaganda that capitalism has been like pushing on their like population for decades yeah, I mean, I was just going to say exactly that. When people attack you and say, oh, you know, Vietnam, they're brainwashing you in schools and whatever. It's like, well, what do you, fu what do you think we're fucking doing in schools in the West? And, uh, and in Thailand as well, you know. Um, well, I, I think the difference, though, the difference though is that, you know, when you teach someone from a young age how to think dialectically, you know, through materialist lens and that kind of, you're teaching them how to think as opposed to what to think which is, exactly. well, I would argue, sort of a Western type of a education, which is like, oh, here are some historical facts, here are some key figures in history, you mm. know, these are the important people that create our neoliberal ideology. However, we're not going to teach you, you know, about the atomization of the individual because of class, uh, because of social um, relations in the mode of production. We're just going to, like, get these general things. There's, there's no depth, there's no overarching narrative Yep. Um, which I think the socialist education does provide. So yeah, that's you know definitely a yeah. distinction. So here's the one thing: like I was actually very shocked, and I know that about the debate culture in the West is so strong. It's not like that in Vietnam at all. We have the analysis culture, where like people, a person give an uh, essay and then like analyze about something, and people ask question and they answer. Not like you de fucking debate bro or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's shocked. really interesting. I never heard <laughs> American, that. weren't you a debate bro? I could have sworn you were a debate I have, bro. I have debate broed. I don't, it's uh, not, I don't define myself as a debate bro. I did debate Milton Friedman. <laughs> no, I mean histor yes. historically when you were uh, when you were a libertarian of, of sorts. Yes. <laughs> oh, when I was a libertarian, I was a total debate bro. I was a, I was a insufferable debate bro. Uh, <laughs> Just think about the debate culture. It's like you're you try to win a debate 
mm. like trying to make your sign wind mm-hmm. by fucking fact and logic, mm. not like like analyze or like the fucking truth about it. It's just like to to be the winner. I was literally the captain of my debate club in high school, you know, and I and I was really interested in like things like logic and forensics and that sort of thing in in college. And I will say that, you know, Luna has now shared with me a lot of the instructional material that they use in the Marxist-Leninism classes here. You know, I'm not a Marxist-Leninist myself, but as far as dialectical materialism goes, they're teaching this framework that really, I believe, uh, encourages people to question everything. I mean, really, like the, the textbooks, they're not saying, like, you have to believe this, you have to believe that. They're saying, here are the way the power dynamics operate. Here are the ways that, you know, like, they, they, they describe it as a living science, dialectical materialism. So regardless of whether or not you buy into dialectic materialism, I can say from looking at the teaching materials that Luna has shown me, and I've, I've seen about three or four of their textbooks, it doesn't seem to me at all like indoctrination. It really yeah. just seems like a, a, a methodology for how to think systemically okay. and how to analyze, analyze. things and to, and to question everything. It seems mm-hmm. to be a really recurring theme. And um, the proof will be in the pudding. Luna's actually working on a translation. We're yeah. going to be putting that out for free. But um, if you just stay oh, tuned man. to Luna's channel and you want to yep. check that out, it's the official Vietnam uh, textbook. textbook on dialectical materialism. I think it's really interesting, and she's doing a great job. Yes. should be done within about a month or so. Yeah, yeah, I am doing Looking it. I'm trying that. my best. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I wanted to also ask you, I mean, I'm very curious about how one gets involved with the political as a Vietnamese person gets involved with the political process in Vietnam so let's say you see some problems in your community or in maybe in the larger community and you think hey I want to make some changes you know in the west maybe you join the local council whatever I'm just wondering what that process is in Vietnam like I'm guessing you join the communist party and kind of where does it where does it go from there how does that kind of engagement work uh, let me uh, think. Uh, it's kind of Vietnam about that stuff. We are very like localized, uh, you know, like so. Like, what if we have any like conflicts in the street that I'm living in? The first one I'm gonna go and talk to is the the district, like the ward, local government, like literally people, our neighbors, actually. A group of neighbors gathered together and talk about that first. Like, Vietnamese people will try, will always try to avoid. Uh, to, to get involved with the police or the government first, we try to work out the situation by ourselves. So like we gathered together, came to the maybe the word uh, meeting or street meeting and then talk about it and try to give our like solution. It's like actually had a like um I've been, experience. yeah, um, I, just to give an outsider's experience, I guess, I have been to a uh, ward meeting in uh, Hanoi and it was really fascinating because first of all, uh, you know, I don't think, I think that, uh, what is it, 1 in 20 people are members of the Communist Party? Yeah, right? 1 in 20 um, people yeah. Vietnam But like at the ward meetings, anybody can go. You don't have to be a Communist Party member yeah. to attend. And um, also, of course, anybody can vote. I don't think you, you don't have to be a Communist Party no, member to vote or yeah. even to run for office because Vietnam has more independent members of the National Assembly per, you know, by percentage than the USA has in the Senate or the House of Republicans, mm. or, or the House. I called it the House of Republicans, that was Freudian. But anyway. Um, <laughs> so you don't need to be a party member to be in the government. Yeah, no. but but back to what to what I witnessed when I went to a ward meeting, it was, um, it was just very interesting because it felt a lot like an anarchist uh, mutual aid kind <laughs> of uh, community meeting because the people were really, I, I saw them solving these problems like directly. Um, mm. So for instance, there was a homeless man in this neighborhood who was sleeping on a bench, uh, you know, outside in this in this neighborhood, and um, they solved that problem as a as a local neighborhood. So they were like, okay, uh, Miss Gwen, you have a, an empty room in your building. Um, he can sleep there. I'll bring him food uh, on Thursdays and Friday. You know, and they just basically worked out how to take care of this homeless. Like it was an old homeless man um, who obviously couldn't, you know, wasn't able to take care of himself. So um, that was really fascinating to me, and that's why it's something that I just observe as an, as an anarchist from the USA is that despite the Marxist-Leninist national framework, in a lot of ways, Vietnamese people just strike me as very anarchistic. And if you've ever yeah. been in Vietnamese traffic, <laughs> you might get a sense for what I'm talking about. But um, yeah, it's just people just seem to, to, to try to... It's, it's also true with like, for instance, if you see a car wreck or a, or a, you know, a traffic accident. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Um, I've been in a traffic accident where like my taxi driver got in a wreck with another person and the whole neighborhood basically that witnessed it, they came out and they just worked it out. Like, okay, I saw it. It was your fault. Okay, you give him whatever money. And then they like solved it. And they want to do it like before the police show up, you know, like. <laughs> we don't want it. to do it. The it happened to me too. Yeah. I got like my first week in, um, 
Vietnam ever, I got into a motorbike wreck, and the local people just came out. They helped me translate. They helped. They were like, "Okay, you give him five dollars, and we're done." And we went on our way. So, so we um, actually have a, like a fun expression about that. Like, it's not the worst. Uh, if you have like accident, it's the worst. If you have an accident right in front of the traffic police, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, we all always always want to like deal with stuff by ourselves first. Yeah. So, like means uh, only we only get involved to like let let the police get involved and then like government if like we cannot solve that problem. Yeah, and I guess the last thing I'll say about it is that just the state from living in the USA. I lived in the USA for about 30 years. Uh, the state in Vietnam, for me, from my perspective, and all you know, from my conversations with Vietnamese people, it's way less invasive to me than the mm -hmm. state in the USA. Like mm -hmm. I've never had to talk to a police officer the whole time I've lived here, versus in the USA, I was having to interface with the cops regularly, whether it was getting pulled over for like traffic stops, uh, traffic checkpoints, Crazy. cops coming and investigating. You know, like it just it, I, I've been frisked, I've been searched, and I'm a white, you know, male presenting person, so like. I, I don't even have nearly the bad uh, as like, bad of experiences like black mm -hmm. people in the USA, but here in Vietnam, for black people over there. yeah, it just it doesn't feel nearly as as invasive. Um, do you have any? I mean, maybe. You know, I, I was just gonna you say, it. holy shit! Like, from my experience living in Thailand, the amount of shit I had to deal with with the police just like constantly. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, real yeah, heavy-handed. That is famous in Vietnam too. About like being so scared of the police in Thailand and like whenever <laughs> Vietnamese we, we travel to Thailand we keep like telling uh, our friends like don't like don't mess up with the police and don't mess up with the king or the, the money and yeah. if you even drop them yeah so something like that so okay fine that's very different <laughs> but yeah if you could but also if you could try and um, talk a bit about you know really getting how people get involved oh with the yeah party sorry or yeah, sorry something like that. that yeah 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 it's cool yeah. So, <laughs> If you want to make a change to the community, uh, first make a Facebook post <laughs> and then try to get like people in your community to like your neighbor to agree with you and work on that. And then most important, go to the meeting, the word meeting, you know, and then to like, speak up your ideas. And if enough people agree with you, then we work on it very, very, very fast, actually. People might laugh at that Facebook post comment, but what I didn't realize is that the government in Vietnam is very... Uh, they have a, they have a strong online presence. Yep. So Luna is like a member of the Facebook group for the yes. Danang city, and then for our ward, and the people in the community do actually. Yep. You you want to talk a little bit about yeah, how that works? Yeah. So like, uh, I have uh, I I joined a Facebook group of the local government of Danang, and actually like people instead of calling the police, they like record a video or something like that, and they post on that group, and the police actually will come and deal with it very fast. And then we have any idea, just like post on it. And then it's like a very active group and act, it works very well. Do, do Can you like communicate with your representatives or something like that in the group? Like, do they actually reply and stuff? Sure, sure, they they actually wow. reply, yes. They, they do, and like, and then they, they actually they were the one who like, uh, you know, like, uh, approve those posts. So actually, and, and before even like, before even we had to do anything, they informed the police for us and then they will come and do it and a lot of people say thank you because of this group and so it's that's how it works in vietnam like yep do you want to talk a little bit about the structure of like because y you know your your local ward you know what, what do you call it, the ward leader or whatever i'm kind of interested in like how the party relates to all of this like i'm yeah. quite curious mm. about okay. how one gets involved as a party member with mm. the party right the uh, generally speaking, the uh, system in Vietnam is the party, the Communist Party leads, but the government manage. So like, um, so every like every word will vote for a leader, and that leader is actually will work, in, like on behalf of the whole street. Uh, we work with the local government, and so the local government like. It's like very separate, like you don't need to be a Communist Party member to be in the global government. The first, the most important thing is to get people vote for you. That's it. To get enough people vote for you and you will be in the uh, the local government. And then they will, and the one thing is like the voting system in Vietnam is very hierarchical and I don't really like it. Because like we cannot vote directly for our president. So, example, like the the district representatives, you know, will vote for the provincial representative, and then provincial representatives ah, will vote oh for yeah. nationals, and the national will vote for big 
positions such as like uh, president, prime minister, vice prime minister, and okay, yeah. so it works like that. It's very hierarchical. I, I don't like that. I think something that people don't understand maybe about countries like this is that, you know, there is right, there's one party, right? It's a one party state. But within that party, there are still elections, you know, it's not like a pure from the top down dictatorship. Yes, no. And that communist doesn't control 100% the government because they are separate. They're different. And you don't need to be a party member to be in the government. We are like about 500 members. Uh, uh, we have 500 members of National Assembly, and then more than 20 of them are non-party. So, like, yeah, something like that. The thing with one-party states is at least they're not lying to you about the, the number of parties in, <laughs> involved. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. That's the the USA is like the a, a, they have the capitalist party in the USA, and that's it. And that's that, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Y- yeah. Sometimes they switch to like Democratic Party. Sometimes switch to like like how, like how capitalist do we want to be? Very or <laughs> right. very much? Very, very. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There, there are also. I mean, the other thing about Vietnam is that it's also changing really fast. So, like, probably mm. within a few months, a lot of what we're saying might be out of date. Like, they just made it so that the Da Nang mayor election is a direct election now, which is like yep, yep. that's like the first time that's happened. So, so can you change? Uh, do things are things different in different wards? So it's it's not like blanket um, policies across Vietnam. It's yep. like you. It's no. a, it's different rights, uh, different laws, and. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, uh, every cool. province will have a kind of control of their own um, province. Uh. So, for example, so like Danang can like choose our own way of voting our mayor, and we are about to like to let people vote directly f- to choose our mayor. Okay. And another thing is like just like how we deal with COVID nineteen, it works very well. So when the pandemic started, the big government, you know, with like uh, the Ministry of Health, with the leader of the doctors. They like they actually those doctors they we put them in power so they can deal with the pandemic and they just gave out like five main orders about how to deal with the COVID and then they send those five orders to every province and every province will take those five basic orders and then work on themselves with detailed plan because like each province will have a different like geography or population or economic stuff so like yeah they will work themselves to deal with that this this is like based on those five main orders and that's how it works in vietnam the the the, the big government doesn't even like they, they they don't like give every detail and we have to follow every detail it's just like i was so this is what is you to do and the detail plans we don't care we don't know you work on it something like that oh that's such G- gabriel so i'm moving away. i'm moving to vietnam yeah right i'm just <laughs> thinking about thailand yeah and like you have this such high centralization from Bangkok and so Bangkok will make a policy which will then be implemented to the entire country and you know maybe they've only made this policy to deal with a specific problem in Bangkok and then it gets implemented to the whole fucking country like there's absolutely very little regional power and it fucking sucks um, so that that sounds great. I, there's an uh, there's an old Vietnamese uh, adage about the the law of the village. What's that? The law of the village. Oh, we, we have a like, very old expression about like the rules of the village is more important than the law of the king. Right, that's right, right. Yeah, yeah that's it's very. Like, it's like when you it's like when you go to someone's house and you play you play Uno, but it's their rules and not like the the the, the ones exactly as yeah. <laughs> it should exactly. be. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Um, so just kind of speaking of this regional divide is something that I found quite interesting when I've been to Vietnam, particularly the difference, and this is speaking very generally, but between the North and the South, um, because, you know, I, I've seen the differences on both a social level and kind of an aesthetic level. So in the North, you, you don't really have these big, shiny new office buildings, shit like that, like not really any foreign chain shops. Like, I don't know. Are there, I don't think there are any McDonald's in, in Hanoi, are there? There are now. Yeah. Uh, when did you, oh, when did you visit? Oh, right okay. Yeah. Uh, when did you visit? Because... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Like two... I visited first time, like... Last time was about two years ago. I didn't see okay. any. And then before that, it was about six years ago, I guess. Oh, well, oh. I mean, I'll just say that I lived there... I lived in Hanoi for about four or five years, and it changed a lot in the time that I lived there. But there is a there is a McDonald's at... Uh, two or something. Uh, Juan Kim. Oh, yeah, there's there's two or three now, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I mean, compared to, compared to Ho Chi Minh City. Though, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 well, it's Burger King failed. Yeah, Burking right, Valley, yeah, exactly. so, um, yeah. so here's the thing, like, uh, yeah, generally speaking, the plan from the government is like the north of Vietnam, especially Hanoi, is like the, the capital of Vietnam, it's the political capital. And they don't really want to, like, to let capitalism develop very 
fast and very strong in Hanoi. They push that into the south. Actually, 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 they that they let that happen in the south, especially Ho Chi Minh. Ho Chi Minh city is the most capitalist city of Vietnam. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And by far. Yeah, by far. Yeah. So we call it like the economy, like capital. It's Ho Chi Minh and Hanoi is the political capital. And is that is that different than because of that regional um, kind of authority that you were talking about before? Yeah, exactly. Um, yep. Uh, we so like Ho Chi Minh is actually very rich. Yeah, yeah. But to be honest, when when I've been between the two places, I don't I don't want to sound like I'm being a generalizing asshole here, but I I found people in Hanoi to be much. I don't know, easier for me to get along with. I'll just say that personally. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. If you're a communist, then you will find like, you will like Hanoi a lot because like, yeah, it's very communist. <laughs> there are a lot of yeah. liberals. There are a lot of neoliberals yeah, in Ho Chi Minh City, in my experience. I've met yeah. a lot of my friends and they tend to be, and the weird thing is if you, I, 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 this is sensitive and I, again, I don't want to make generalizations either, but you know, they tend to be people that come from, a more privileged background and therefore mm -hmm. they tend to be more likely to speak English and so there's a lot of like uh, what do you call it confirmation bias or something where like um, if you're like a, a foreigner and you're traveling and you you're more likely to go to Saigon and you're more likely to talk to people who are like more fluent in English they're more likely to be more wealthy and therefore you're more likely to meet a lot more liberals who are like anti-communist and that, that's why a lot of foreigners I think get the impression if they, especially if they just come here for a holiday or something mm. they get the impression that there's like all these anti-communists in Vietnam because they might talk to a bunch of neoliberals in, in mm. Ho Chi Minh City but you know I've been here a lot longer than a lot of people not you know super long but I've been here for about eight or nine years and I've tried especially through I've been very fortunate to have Luna to help with translation and that sort of thing you know and you know like for everywhere from like Luna's village <laughs> to the neighborhood we live in in Ha Dong to where we live now in Da Nang I mean most people that I've talked to are communists, you know, but most of those people, they don't actually speak English. You know what I mean? So. It's like, right, you, right. you know, because like when we, they sang karaoke, they chose like red songs. We called it like the red song because the communist song in the war town. Yeah. <laughs> they sang karaoke at home with those, those songs. Yeah, but there are there are a lot of, you know, neoliberals in, in Vietnam yeah. and specifically in, in Ho Chi Minh City. There are even... I mean, Luna did a video about a neoliberal, a lot of neoliberal rhetoric that was on the National Assembly floor. Yep, I made the video. I interested that, and the guy like really fucking boot lickers, <laughs> and then uh, he like, <laughs> care for the uh, business more than for the workers. And um, we have members like that, but luckily not many of them. Yeah. And, and fortunately, the the comrade who was really pro working class, who responded to that neoliberal, was actually from Ho Chi Minh City. So. Again, you know, it's 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 not always what you might expect based on the mm -hmm. the generalizations. Yeah, I, I, I was I was actually I was actually curious because um uh, how I measure sort of um th the quality of a city is based on the international schools, um and so what the fuck who are you? Were you some like yuppie fucking? Listen, oh you're taking the piss actually. I just realized. Listen, sorry. let me let me <laughs> let me do my bit. Let me do my bit. Okay, sorry, sorry. Um, because. Because because I see that the the there's an American school in in Ho Chi Minh and you, basically where the American schools are you just can't trust them because uh, I lived in four and a half years and I went to the American school there and uh, you can't you can't trust them so um it, do you think there's a there's a difference between like uh, the the types of like foreign people that show up in Hanoi versus the types of foreign people that show up in Ho Chi Minh City do you think that like uh, there's 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 any like credence to the idea that they're all going down there because yeah that is where capitalism is being allowed to happen um and they only come up when they're doing some touristy things or or what, what what's the sort of the foreign um relation to this uh just just out of curiosity really i, I might be able to answer this better than luna because i've probably been around more foreigners yeah, exactly <laughs> um but lucky mate yeah yeah well that's exactly what i was going to say um in my experience, the foreigners uh, across the country are generally pretty shitty <laughs> and unappreciative. Um, although that has changed mm -hmm. a bit since COVID, I will say that. So, yeah. like, so for most of the time that I've been here, I mean, like, you just you can't. They, there's so much misinformation spread through like the expat Facebook quote, group quote, uh, pipeline or whatever you want to call it. They like the, complain the that they cannot complain about the Vietnamese government on the internet. They are literally doing it on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, they online. complain that they can't complain on Facebook <laughs> on Facebook and like nothing happens to them. So anyway, and and it's like, and if you, you know, you talk to people at bars and they just spread like complete bullshit. And I bought into a lot of it for a long time. Um, <laughs> like when I first moved here, I was actually 
like kind of terrified of the Communist Party, and like I thought every moment <laughs> I thought I was being monitored and supervised all the time. Oh my but, god! But you know, because a, a lot not of, that important. Yeah, a lot of it was from this misinformation <laughs> on on Facebook, um, and uh, and talking to other foreigners that sort of thing. But like you know, there are some really cool, great people here. Um, yeah, you know, I don't are. want to paint with too broad of a brush. Not many. But since COVID started, the people who have stuck around, because you know, most people left immediately because they assumed. Oh, Vietnam's a communist shithole country and it's going to collapse. So a lot of people left. But the people who stuck around, you know, I'm hearing more and more like positive things about Vietnam. And it's it's very weird, actually, because I'm so used to going to a bar or something and just hearing people like complain about Vietnam if they're foreigners. Um, But now when I'm going to these places, I'm hearing like, man, we are so lucky to be here, you know, which I, you know, I've never heard people say that before. Um, So it's kind of nice to see people who have lived through the pandemic and, and seen the contrast between their home countries and what's happening here finally start to recognize and acknowledge some of the good things that are happening and some of the some of the positive values of the you know the the political economy of, of Vietnam yeah yeah so um, just to move on a little bit I I was wondering because you know I'm sure you've noticed from Vietnam that there's this big uptake in leftist sentiment across the globe but it's very for me notable in southeast asia as well particularly with younger people so i mean definitely in thailand uh, in burma philippines indonesia is very prominent and i was wondering how much of that if any has found its energy towards vietnam among the younger generations um well uh before the pandemic and uh based on a lot of capitalist propaganda lots of people believe that like Vietnam like already abandoned communism and instead we embrace capitalism, but actually it's not. Especially This is like Viet- Vietnamese people believe that. Vietnamese and also Westerners. Yes, they are sure. people like talk to like said that to my face. Like, oh mm-hmm. Vietnam like betray like capital uh, betray communism now now you now you embrace capitalism, blah blah blah. So, Dude, it's not like that. I try to explain because, like, I myself joined so many like online groups with like millions of members, totally like Vietnamese who are really communist, socialist, you know. But like most most of us, like we um we don't speak in English. We just speak in Vietnamese. That's why like not many, not many people like really know about us. And actually, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Vietnam, we are uh, officially a Marxist nation, and we have our own country to work on, to build, to follow. So actually, like we don't feel that need to like to care about your opinions about us. Actually, we 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 don't care about your opinions. We don't fucking care. Five million Communist Party members of Vietnam. You you really think that we care about what a, a random white dude on the internet think that we are socialists or not? We don't. Can we? <laughs> get into that a little bit later because i have a question for that okay. later but i was <laughs> okay. just kind of curious about the kind of rise in leftism internationally and if that is happening in specific for young Vietnamese people becoming people. more yeah yeah yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I was about to get about this i sorry um, sorry yeah yeah actually before the pandemic i saw like liberalism actually was it was raising in vietnam but like poofs the pandemic started and lots of people like it opens the eyes of a lot of people like holy shit, so Vietnam is actually not that bad and the USA and the rich countries are not actually that good and we're so lucky to be in Vietnam, be Vietnamese right now. We are so proud of ourselves right now. So, sign up, I now the, the liberalism now in Vietnam is like stop and the communism like raising up like very strong right now. So, that's a good point of having a pandemic. I'm sorry that is killing millions of people out there but in Vietnam, like actually like it shows the nature. It helps like shows the nature of capitalism and the nature of communism too. That it actually helps people. It helps us. And uh, yep. So yep. Along with uh, yeah, the leftism chain is raising the world. The same thing in Vietnam. So the only one difference is that it's already very strong already in Vietnam, and now it's getting stronger and stronger. So Mario, you got something on that? Uh, my thing was to the thing that we're going to talk about later. Um, okay. So we can save I mean, that. <laughs> okay. I was going to save it till the end. Yeah, uh, we can save it if you want. Oh, we, can, we no, let's just go on. We, oh, we do it now. Let's do it now. Yeah, you want to do it now? Yeah, yeah. Fuck it. Let's no, do it no, now. I, I was just going to talk <laughs> about how my favorite, my favorite Luna line was um, Reddit. Not even once. Um, that, that was that's my favorite one. Uh, and secondly, I was going to say it. Yeah, it's like it's like people in Vietnam have taken Jordan Peterson's advice to heart. They're cleaning up their own bedroom first. Um, it, that, that's the ironic part, isn't it? It's like the West 
they have like this whole you know fucking trying to deal with everyone else's shit but they never deal with their own shit but they're the western ideologues are saying the opposite um so that's you know i i, I just yeah. thought it was something so to point that's out that's a really good point yeah very good point i i, I will say like yeah another thing is like vietnam um the government here tries they had like decades of war they're still trying to they're still trying to rebuild their infrastructure absolutely from, yeah. from we're still recovering vietnam still absolutely. recovering from the war yeah so yeah. vietnam has kind of a they try to just like really be what switzerland claims to be which is like you know try to maintain neutrality and not get involved with other people's business too much and mm. they're just trying to i think you know they're they're, they're trying we just to just hope that people will give us the fuck alone yeah we don't want um, more intervention for for better or worse i mean you know because there's a, there's a lot of criticism that like I see this level that Vietnam or China or any social, you know, socialist nation nowadays, um, that like there's not as much support for socialist movements in other countries. I think that there's validity to that criticism, but we also have to temper it with the understanding that Vietnam is still rebuilding from like decades of war and in you know that was forced upon them. So you know, it's just so it's like complicated. Decades, hundreds of years of fighting against imperialism and being bombed. And like, like by foreign nations, and then like, we like even set the embargo is on us until like 2004. So it's just like 16 years yeah. ago, not even that long. So like we, you know, like we're still freaking traumatized because of that. Like yeah. we are now still under the military embargoes. So that like we cannot develop like uh, we cannot develop nuclear anything related to nuclear, not even like nuclear generators. We cannot like uh, make and sell special kind of weapons. And we cannot send the military to other countries. That's impossible. We are under that embargo. So we literally can't do anything much. It's a bit ironic because the only military intervention that I don't know I can even think of as being a good one in the past 50 years was obviously the invasion, the Vietnamese invasion of Cambodia. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's which, like the only the good military. Backed. Yeah. The USA yeah, backed. Yeah. Yeah. Through Thailand, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Through Thailand. Yeah. 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 Oh, no, Pol Pot oh, lived he, a he very was comfortable he, rest of his life in Thailand. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My blood boil whenever I think about that. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. I was just going to say, I met once a, uh, a veteran of the Vietnam, Cambodia, well, the Vietnamese liberation, let's say, of Cambodia. That's mm. nice um you know, like, he seemed kind of down, to be honest. Like, he was like, oh, people don't really remember it. You know, people mm. don't really see us as heroes. And I was like, dude, you're a fucking hero, man. Good was he you. in Vietnam? <laughs> Cambodia. Yeah, in Vietnam. Yeah. See, that's yeah, the thing. He was in we Vietnam. met one in yeah. Cambodia. Like, in Cambodia, they treated her like a hero <laughs> just because she was Vietnamese. And we met a Vietnamese uh, uh, veteran in Cambodia. So yeah. that poor guy should just go to Cambodia. He'd probably listen right. to Yeah, right? <laughs> I, 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 I met a, a Vietnamese vet in Cambodia like after 1989, right? And uh, uh, 79, uh, 89, oh sorry, 1989. Yeah. He decided to stay in Cambodia instead of going back. And he married mm. to a Cambodian woman and he had like a, a restaurant yeah. in Siem Reap. Uh, it's very good. And he saw me and then he's like, you're Vietnamese, right? Like, yes. And then like, he was very happy to see me. Yeah. And another, I met also a very cute young Cambodian girl and when she asked me, where I come from? I, I have to tell the story because they'll think oh. they won't get like she's. I'm not exaggerating when I say this. Like, okay. this woman owned a convenience store, and she was like just a you know young young girl, and she was like, uh, when Luna said she was from Vietnam, she was like her eyes lifted. She was like, oh, I love Vietnam. Oh my God, I love Vietnam so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, Vietnam. Oh, it's just like. This was just amazing. Oh my God! I was so so I couldn't believe it. So so shy, you know. <laughs> so so anxiety. <laughs> It was so funny. I'm very happy. Yep. That's so cute. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to bring the tone down, but like, oh, no. I lived in Cambodia for a while. I can speak fairly decent Khmer. Yeah. And uh, there is also a lot of like anti Vietnamese sentiment. Yeah. And oh, yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah, that. Yeah. Is, right. You know about that, right? Yeah. So that comes fact, a yeah. lot from years of fucking hostility. And, and, and there's this bullshit about blaming the, of Khmer people blaming the Vietnamese for mm. the massacres of the Khmer Rouge, which is fucking yep. sickening and completely wrong and it fucking yeah. sucks. So I just wanted to, yeah, throw that out. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, 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 we know about that. that. Mm. Um, yeah. we, we didn't, ex I mean, I don't think, did, you didn't experience any of that when you were there. So that was, luckily, I didn't experience lucky, yeah. any of that. Mm. Um, but I, I know that they exist, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's usually in CPP, Cambodia People's Party kind of hotspots, you might get some I shit see. like that. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. I was mean, uh, uh, reactionary pricks. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Oh, but about the um, the cleaning cleaning the room, the Jordan Peterson cleaning the room thing. Um, oh, yeah. I will also say that from living here as long as I have, I've seen it change really drastically in the time that I've been here. And really, a lot of the things that I, as an anarchist, really strongly disliked about Vietnam, they're starting to change. So, like, uh, for instance, there's this like blue book <laughs> that like. You're supposed to keep. I don't even think. Well, I don't know how. How I, this might be more for foreigners or something, I guess. But you know the blue book that you're supposed to keep in your house, and you're supposed to like anytime you have visitors, you're supposed to sign them in and sign them out and register them with the police. Yeah, I know. Maybe it's just a foreigner thing. I don't Maybe know. Maybe it's thing. But they had that when I first moved here, and it was oh. like you basically had to keep a registry, and if somebody stayed the night at your house, you had to technically legally go and register them with the police to like mm. let them know that that's where they were staying overnight. Mm. Maybe this is just for foreigners. Mm. Same in same in Thailand for foreigners. On, oh, really? on paper, like, no one fucking follows it. Yeah, no we didn't yet. really follow it either, although I heard of people, like, I had a friend whose house got, like, you know, raided. Like, they had the police show up and they checked their book and they didn't have it. So, But that's gotten done away with. Mm. Um, they've really, they've, they've gotten rid of a lot of, I mean, there's still a lot of corruption here. And the government will be the first to, to say that. They talk about it all the time. But oh. I have seen them, like, clean up a lot of the corruption in my personal experience. Because, like, when I first moved here, it was, it was basically, like, just... Uh, a foregone conclusion that you'd have to bribe the police for like a foreigner to live in an apartment. We had to bribe landlords so that they could bribe the police. We had to bribe, you know. But like that has really and, like, and I think it's that, really, like we actually put a system online. Yeah, like, everyone can do it online without like giving any bribe. So it's very interesting some of the ways that they fight corruption. Like mm-hmm. because the police were taking bribes for foreigners and for certain people to live in apartments, they just moved the system online, so you never even had to talk to a cop. You would just pay, pay the right. uh, the fee directly. And like that way, they there was no capacity. So I haven't had to pay any kind of bribe or anything for for a long, long same time. Thing that, <laughs> same thing that same thing happened. So like a lot of the paperwork right now. Uh, so like we could just apply online. Yeah. So like we to reduce the time to reduce the deal with the corruption and bureaucracy too. So like just apply it online, and when like you prepare everything, the every document that they would you receive an official like date like appointment, and then on that day just come and pick it up and done. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they I come guess, to you to pick it up? Uh, I have to go there to the local government. Okay, I was just, mm-hmm. that sounded too good to be true. It was, we did yeah. have a cop show up to do our paperwork one time at our house. Whoa. When the landlord bet us with the yeah, copy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. they have actually done home wow. service for us. They did, they did. Yeah, they did. I forgot that. Yeah, the police came here and sit in our house and deal with that. Yeah. yeah. He didn't give it to um, it, it does sound a little bit like from your descriptions that like, you know, you've got a pretty decent state. Maybe it's better at the localized levels, but you there seems to be a bit of a recurring theme here about the police being a bit sketchy. Uh, could you talk about that, well, maybe? Well, yeah. I mean, I can tell you from my foreign experience that, again, that's something that I've been seeing improve a lot over time. Like when I first came here, uh, when I first came here, it just, it seemed like there was a, and again, you know, the other thing is that you have to remember that a lot of this is stories that my friends have been telling me that are like not Vietnamese people. So (laughs) I don't even know how much of the shit that I'm telling you is true, but like I used to hear more stories about that kind of stuff. I've actually never, again, I've never directly had to interact with a police officer. And by the way, maybe my landlords were just shaking me down and saying they had to bribe the cops and they didn't really, you know I mean? That's also, so don't really take everything that I say about this stuff with a kind of a grain of salt. Um... But, like, yeah, I mean, the, the other thing is the police in Vietnam, it's not at all like the Vietnam in the USA where I'm from because they're a lot more specialized. So there's, like, the traffic police. Already they only the deal with traffic. And then they have, like, the people who are in charge of, like, foreigners like me, they only deal with foreigners. foreigner stuff. It's, like, it's very, very stratified. And, and security police, they only deal with security stuff, yeah. not traffic. Yeah, so. so, like, I did have to, I've had to do an interview with immigration one time and, um, you know, just to make sure that my visas were all up to date and all that kind of stuff and it was like very painless i didn't have any i didn't have to pay a bribe or anything for that mm-hmm. um but like i think the thing is that the, the the maybe luna can talk about this more and i'll just kind of introduce it but i think that vietnamese people it's not really that the police are invasive or sketchy or or particularly bad compared to i mean you know all, a cab or whatever it, all, all cops mm-hmm. are bad but um but com, you know in comparison to other countries i don't i don't think they're worse I think they're actually probably like less invasive in a lot of ways, but I think that Vietnamese people just don't like to deal with bureaucracy and the government. Yeah, we don't you know deal with it. It's, we, it's we more of a cultural thing. We are not afraid of the police, actually. We're not. They're like, where, like, like, we are not as like terrified of the police as the people in the West. I'm terrified um, of the police. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, so like when I told you like I, we don't want to deal with the police, uh, uh, such as when we had like traffic uh, accident, 
just because like we don't want to deal with the paper shit like the paper works and if you work around sea and maybe we have to bribe them we don't have we don't want to waste our time working on the police station to deal with this it's just like talk to each other pay maybe like five to ten bucks and be done with that deal yeah. you don't have to do anything yeah. yeah and the way that the government tends to solve problems in my experience too is like very path of least resistance and they really try to so like um we, i talked about the way that they do the online management to stop bribes but also like for instance, in the USA, if there's a street where people are like turning left and they don't want them to turn left, they'll always like park a squad car there or like have a speed trap or something like that to try to like punish people into not doing it. Yeah. In Vietnam, they just put up a barrier. It's like they never they never solve a problem by like throwing police on the street or anything yeah. like that. It's always just like how do we do this with like the least work possible and the least the least interface between the, the yeah, does that right. sound accurate to you? That's been that's just it sounds so my... normal to me that I don't know that it's different. I thought that other countries do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Gabriel and I are just jaded from the police in um in in the rest of Southeast Asia. Yeah, they. Yeah, I've had some pretty <laughs> fucking awful experiences. Um, so we've already gone on for an hour, and I think there's. Quite a lot more we want to cover. I'm thinking we are you guys good to go on for a, how much longer do you guys have? Yes, we're, good. we're fine. We're, we're fine. We've we got nothing else to do. So. Samai? Oh, yeah. dude, yeah, I'm I'm enjoying this, man. This is this is so <laughs> surreal. It's like it's like seeing them on 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 YouTube and then now seeing them. In, uh, oh, bro. <laughs> wow. I'm having a great time. <laughs> so I'm thinking we make it a double app and uh, yep. we say bye bye. Okay. To our dear listeners, and uh, sure. we'll catch you. Uh, we'll release it a week after, so we won't do it fortnightly. So, okay. uh, yeah, yeah. bye bye, dear listeners. We're going to keep talking. Sucks for you, um, but you'll hear the rest next week. Bye-bye. 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 Bye.